Baruch Hashem. Okay. Parshas Vayetze. Parsha begins. Vayetze Yaakov mi Be'er Shava Vayelech Charona. Yaakov leaves Be'er Shava and he heads off to Charon. This is going to be a very uh, great turning point in Yaakov's life. Of course, in the end of last week's Parsha, Yaakov got the blessings from his father Yitzchak. His brother Esau wasn't very happy with that as an understatement, wanted to kill him, wanted to kill him. and Yaakov heads out to, to um, Charon, where ultimately he's going to build his life and build his family. Well, he's going to get married. Didn't he first go to Be'er Sheva or to Shem Ve'ever or something? So right, so the, the, the Chumash... I mean, he first left his own house, wherever that was. Exactly, so the, the Torah doesn't talk about that. Right, yeah. The concept of him going for 14 years to the uh, house of Shem Ve'ever studying Torah is indicated, Rashi brings it from the Midrashim, the Gemara talks about it. In the Pasuk, there's no clear mention of it. It's more of a, name, a number game, of figuring out based on the ages and so on. Right. And there's a lengthy Rashi at the end of last week's Pasha where Rashi is able to figure out that there's a 14-year gap, and that's what the Gemara tells us he was in uh, the Yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever. But in the actual Pasuk, you know, it's really one after the other. He, uh, he gets the blessings, Rivka sees that his brother is going to try to kill him. She goes to her husband Yitzchak and she says that uh, I want Yaakov to get married you know, back home for my family. And Yitzchak sends Yaakov out. That's where last week's Parsha finishes. And this week begins with this uh, statement, Yaakov leaves Beresheva and he heads to Chorah. And Rashi says, a very beautiful and famous Rashi in the beginning of the Parsha, he comments on the word Vayetze. Vayetze means that he left. He left Beresheva and went to Chorah. It could have just said he went to Chorah. The whole thing of leaving, he left from Be'er Shava. We knew that he was there. So you just have to say, he went. So Rashi says, All I have to say is that Yaakov went to Choron. Why is it mentioned also that he left Be'er Shava? Ela Magid, rather this teaches us, mm-hmm. When a tzaddik leaves a place that leaves a mark, Shabizman Shat Sadik Ba'ir when a Sadik finds himself in the city, who Haida, he's the he is the splendor of the city, who Ziva, he's the shine, who Hadara, he is the beauty of the city. Yatsa Misham when a Sadik leaves the city, Pana Haida, Pana Ziva, Pana Hadara. The splendor, the shine, the beauty of a city a city leaves it when the Sadik leaves. And that's what the Torah is trying to tell us. It's not just Yaakov went somewhere. When Yaakov departs, Be'er Shava, Be'er Shava becomes a poor city. It loses its splendor, it loses its shine, because the tzaddik adds all of that to the city. Similarly, we have in the book of Ruth, the book of Rus, when you have um, Nami together with her daughter-in-law Rus, who are heading out of Moab, heading back to Israel. And there also it says, Vatetsemin they left the place. And again, those words seem to be extra. And Rashi says, again, based on the Medrash, that that has the same meaning. And that is this message that a tzaddik, when a tzaddik is in a place, he brings a shine, he brings a splendor, he brings a beauty to the place. When he leaves it, the place, there's a void left when the tzaddik leaves the place. And that's what Vayetse teaches us. That's the first Rashi and the Parsha. Now, this Rashi really is as a take, take a, you know, it, it comes from a medrash in Bracious Rabbah. And I have here the whole medrash. I don't know if I'll read everything, but most of it is really Rashi. You know, again, the medrash says, Is he the only one who left Be'er Sheva? Chamorim is the people who rode donkeys, the people who rode camels. Many people left. 
Vatomer Vayetzi Yaakov, the Pasim Esau, only Yaakov left Be'er Sheva. So Rebazariah, Beshem Rebbe Yehuda Bar Simon Omer. Rebazariah, the name of Yehuda Bar Simon says, again, the same message of Rashi. Bezman Shasadik Ba'ir, Hu Ziva Hu Adara. The Sadik is the shine, the Shadik, the Sadik is the honor. Yatsam Isham Pana Ziva Pana Hadara. It changes the order. He also misses out one of the expressions. We'll get to that. Udikavasa. Similarly, the story of Rus and Nomi. And it says the same thing. They're the only ones who left. There's many people who left. The same idea. Again, the same names. Rabbi Zarya, in the name of Rabbi Yehuda, son of Simon. Rabbi Hanin, in the name of Rabbi Shmuel, said, when the Sadik is in the city, he's the shine, he's the beauty. The Sadik leaves. Pana Ziva, Pana Hadar. Okay. But the Madrash adds a question that Rashi didn't see. And that is, it would seem there's a big difference between when Yaakov left Be'er Shava versus when Rus and Nomi left Moab. What's the difference? Anyone on it? When Yaakov leaves Be'er Shava, there's, two, there's still two pretty great Sadiqim left in Be'er Shava, and that is Yitzchak and Rivka. Right? Yaakov's father oh, yeah. and mother, they're still there. And they're tzaddikim, they're great tzaddikim. In fact, they were the tzaddikim of the time. Yaakov was their child. Yaakov was their son. So the Medrash asks that question and says, it's in Aramaic, it says, Nicha de Tamon, I understand Vir by Nami and Rus, Over there, Nami was the only tzaddikis in Moab. So when she leaves, yeah, well now the place is dark. There's no tzaddik there. Here by Be'er Shava, Yitzchak and Rivka are there. So why then do we say that when Yaakov leaves, the place uses, loses its hod, its hodar, and so on? So the Medrash says, Rabbi Azariah b'shem Rabbi Simon Omar. Rabbi Azariah, in the name of Rabbi Simon, says, Lo dome z'chuso shel tzadik echad, l'z'chuso shel shnei tzadikim. You can't compare when there's two tzadikim in a city, I mean, here there's actually three, because there's Yitzchak and Rivka and Yaakov. But you can't compare when there's one to when there's two, when there's three. The more, the merrier, right? The more, the holier. And therefore, even though over here, there was still two tzaddikim left in the city, still it's appropriate to say, Vayetze Yaakov, when Yaakov left, he created this, um, this void of holiness, because he wasn't there, even though there was two tzaddikim still left in the city. And that's how the Medrash concludes. What's interesting, an interesting uh, point, when you compare the Medrash to Rashi, is that Rashi wasn't bothered by this question. And it would seem it's a very powerful question. You know, Rashi makes this statement, Yaakov leaves, well, there's no splendor, there's no beauty, there's no shine, but there's Yitzchak and Rivka, what happened with them? So the Medrash finds it necessary to ask the question and respond that yes, true, there were tzaddikim, but still there's different. One, two, three, it makes a difference. Rashi, for some reason, is not bothered by the question, as if it's not a question at all. And it's like Pasha to Rashi. If Yaakov left, no more old, no more Ziv. And the question is why? Why wasn't Rashi bothered with the question of the Medrash? So I think it's a, it's a good question. So I put together a couple of possible answers to this question, um, and I want to go through them uh, through them quickly. Four answers. Are these your answers or both? A mixture here, but four possible answers. Two are, I think, somewhat difficult, and two very interesting answers. Well, let's go through them. Okay, one is based on certain mafarshim, and it's, it's it gets a little bit complicated. But there's when you read the Chumash, it sounds like Yitzchak and Rivka were in Be'er Shava. And Yaakov was with them, and Yaakov left to Haram. 
There are in the Medrashim opinions that Yitzchak and Rivka really lived in Hebron. They weren't in Be'er Shava at the time. Now, even though it says, Vayetze Yaakov me Be'er Shava, Yaakov leaves Be'er Shava, and again, the indication is that he's coming from home, right, from Yitzchak and Rivka. So the Medrash says, no, really Yitzchak and Rivka lived in Hebron. But Yaakov, before he was going to leave Israel, wanted to go to Be'er Shava to leave from there. And why is that? The Medrash says that Yaakov said, well, when my father, when he wanted to leave Israel, Yitzchak, he went to Be'er Sheva and asked permission. And Hashem said no, right? And Yitzchak didn't ever leave Israel. But it was in Be'er Sheva where Yitzchak wanted to leave. So Yaakov said, well, my father asked permission in Be'er Sheva. He got his answer. I'll go to Be'er Sheva. I'll ask permission. And if Hashem gives you the green light, I'll go. And if not, not. So according to that Medrash, it would seem that when Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva, he's the only tzaddik there. Because Yitzchak and Rivka are really in Hebron. And if so, if you follow that way, then, then there's not no kasha. Then there's no question because Yaakov was leaving Be'er Sheva. He was the only one there, the only tzaddik there. So if Rashi follows that opinion, that would explain why Rashi wasn't bothered with the Medrash's question. So that is one possible um, answer, and that I have that in here, number one. Yeshma Farshim, are those that explain. Shaladas Rashi al according to Rashi, perhaps Yitzchak v'Rivka garu az b'chevron. Yitzchak and Rivka actually lived in Chevron. V'Yaakov yasam b'Be'er Sheva. Yaakov was living in Be'er Sheva, according to the Medrash. Again, that I mentioned that Yaakov said, I'm going to go to Be'er Sheva and ask permission. That would be one possible way of understanding Rashi. However, it's difficult because in the Chumash there's no mention of that. You know, Rashi we know is primarily a pshat, pshat in the Chumash. And in the Chumash, it would seem that Yitzchak and Rivka lived in Be'er Sheva. That's the actual wording. It's the last place that we, we saw Yitzchak and Rivka in last week's Parsha was in Be'er Sheva. So to say that Rashi is following a certain medrash that gives a different approach would be somewhat of a chiddush would be a little bit far-fetched. So that's why it would be a good approach. It's hard to assume, though, that Rashi understands that that's a simple reading of the puzzle. So, number two. Another way of look, understanding this Rashi is because if you look at the first line of Rashi, he says, the, fir, the, fir, the very first line on, on the page here in Rashi, he writes, Yitzia Sadik bin HaMakom Oser Roshem. Those are words that are only in Rashi, not in the Medrash. What does Oser Roshem mean? It makes a mark. It makes an impression. Okay. Well, if all Rashi is saying is it makes an impression, then yeah, well, and even if there's three tzaddikim, when, when you're minus one, it makes an impression. Right? True, in the continuation of Rashi, he says, you know, Pana Hoda, Pana Ziva, Pana Hadara. It's not like more than an Right. So later on in Rashi, it sounds like it's more than an impression. Like when he leaves, the lights turn off. Right? But in the first line of Rashi, there's that indication that sometimes it's not the lights turning out, it's just a little less light. So perhaps that first line of Rashi was there to accommodate for the question of the Medrash. That yeah, sometimes when the Sadiq leaves, the lights turn out. Well, that's if no one is left. Sometimes when the Sadiq leaves, it just dims the light a little bit. And that would be a way of responding to the question of the Medrash. Right? I'm, I'm being clear. What's the question of the Medrash? Again, the Medrash asked, but there was still Yisrael. Oh, right, oh, right. So, oh, I see. So, so I perhaps Rashi inserted those words to say that, true, sometimes it's total, like in the story of Nami and Rus, and sometimes it just leaves an impression, but it's not mamish that the lights go up because there's still Tzadik and Bir. So possibly Rashi, in those first words, was dealing, you know, in a, uh, how do you say, in a, uh, in a remez at least. He was alluding to the question of the Medrash by adding those words of Eisar Rishim, and that's a possibility, though that's not 
the seeming indication of the rest of Rashi when he says, you know, you know, pana hoida, pana ziva, pana adara. Rashi sounds much more like that. The the splendor really is diminished, not just leaving a um, an in, an indent or a roshim, but that would be a second possible way of learning. Okay, I want to move on to number three. Number three is very interesting. Um, we always tend to understand who needs who. A disciple needs a teacher, or a teacher needs a disciple. So our typical way of understanding and regular intuitive way is. Disciples need teachers. Talmidim need teachers. Talmidim need rabbis. But do rabbis need students? Do rabbis really need disciples? So, the answer is that Torah says yes. And in fact, just like a Talmud, just like a, a student, a disciple needs a rabbi, needs a teacher, it says that the Talmud adds tremendously to the teacher as well. A rabbi gains a lot of Torah and a lot of chayas and a lot of energy from the fact that he's able to have students. And that is very beautifully indicated in number three here, the Gemara Masech Makas. And the Gemara Masech talks about the mitzvah of, or the din of, uh, Ir Miklat. Right, the cities of refuge. What's the halacha? City of refuge is someone kills accidentally. He has to go to city of refuge. But there's a, the pasuk says that when you make create cities of refuge, it's not just about a place. You have to give in that city that the person should have everything he needs. So you have to make sure there's water there and there's there's things to grow. Everything, anything, because it says v'chai bahem. You have to give them their highest. And a human's need is not just food. Also, it is. Wisdom and Chachma. So therefore the Gemara says in Sechta Makis, Tana, Talmud Shagala Maglin Rabo Imo. If a disciple has to go, a, a Talmud, a student, has to go to the city of refuge, his Rebbe has to come along. An amazing concept. The Talmud killed someone and the Rebbe has to move. Right? That, but that's the halacha. Shenemar Vachai. Because it says that when you bring them to the city of refuge, they have to live there. Do something, create that he should have chayis. He should be able to live there properly. And then the Gemara says, If a Rebbe has to unfortunately go to Yermiklat, bring all his Talmidim. But Rabbi Yechonon doesn't say why. It's he, when the Talmud said so the Talmud you gotta you know kills or it has to end up normal because the teacher goes because the Talmud has to have chayis he has to have a teacher but the Rebbe goes why does he need Talmidim and what's the answer because just like a Talmud needs a Rebbe the Rebbe needs a Talmud a Rebbe without Talmidim is a half a Rebbe he's not able to learn properly he's not able to live properly and in fact that's indicated in the continuation of that very same page of Gemara in Marcus which says Rebbe says. I learned a tremendous amount of Torah, Rabbi said, from my teachers. From my colleagues, even more than my teachers. From my disciples, I learned even more. Even more than my teachers, even more than my colleagues. Why not say that if he has to go to the Ari Miklat, he makes new disciples? Because an Ari Miklat was a regular city on top of being the refuge city. Right. So there would be people there. Right. That's, a, that's an excellent question. Yeah. And I don't know that I know the answer to the question. But it's, it's a very good question. But the indication is that a person who's developed a certain connection with Talmidim, they're his Talmidim. It's not just like, oh, I'll go find someone else. Just like in the other way, you can't say, well, if we'll go there, let him find a new teacher. There's probably a teacher there too. No, that's my teacher. I've developed a teacher. So a teacher is not just arbitrary. You know, I'll take another one tomorrow. And a Talmud is also not arbitrary. You develop real Talmidim or Talmidim for life. So it would seem that's the answer. Okay? So the Rambam, 
in the laws of Rotseach Hashmiras and Nefesh, when he when he says the din of Ari Mikla, he puts puts these two halachas together. Talmud Shegalal Ari Miklat Maglin Rabbo Imo Shenamar Vachai, a Talmud that goes to the to the cities of refuge. You bring the teacher along because it says he should live. Asay Lo Kedeshe Yichia, make for give him whatever he needs to live. And here Rambam gives a beautiful statement. Chaye Bale Hachachma Muvaksheha, the life of people of wisdom and those who seek wisdom. Below Talmud, Kemisa Chashuvim. People who are looking for wisdom and you don't give them wisdom, you don't give them Torah, it's like, it's like death. Because they need it, they, they thrive, they live with it. We live, we're humans, we don't just live with food. We live with wisdom, we live with understanding. The Raman puts it together that in the same way, the student comes along with the teacher. So, what does all this have to do with what we're saying? Right? We had a question. Yaakov is leaving town, but there's still Yitzchak and Rivka. The answer is, Yitzchak and Rivka were losing their Talmud. In other words, everybody was losing. Yaakov, it's not as if, well, Yitzchak and Rivka are fine. They're, they're okay. They're not okay. Because Yaakov is Yitzchak and Rivka, not just he's their child, first and foremost, but he's their Talmud. He's the one they taught Torah to. He's their, he was their continuation. So when he leaves, every, it loses, everyone loses their luster. The town loses at Sadiq. Yitzchak and Rivka lose their Talmud. Mm. So it's like they're in Ari Miklat without their Talmud anymore. They lost their Chayas. So everybody loses, including the Sadiqim that were remaining who lost their primary Talmud, their only real Talmud. And therefore it's a loss for everyone. That would be another way to understand why even though Yitzchak and Rivka are here, so seemingly what's the big deal? No, it's a terrible deal. Because Yitzchak and Rivka have just been diminished by half. Because they lost their Talmud, they lost their Chayas. And that's the third approach to understanding this, um, yeah, this issue. At that time, wasn't he really a Talmud at Shein Vayver? Because he ran away from his house. You know, I mean, the concept that maybe after 10 years, they moved to, to Be'er Sheva to be close to their son. But he ran away because he was told to. You know, right. save your life, go. And he ended up those 14 years with Shein Vayver. He, he had a new Rebbe. Right. So you're you're back to Shem Weber, and which I, mean, I which I no no you 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 come back to right that question, middle, uh, you know. which is Amos. But again, I, I want to say again in the in the pasuk in the way the psukim are presented to us, it's he goes from Yitzchak and Rivka to Choram. The the Shem Weber is the Madrash, is the Gemara. There's that concept, but the way the Torah is presenting us the story, Vayetze Yaakov Yaakov leaves Be'er Shava, doesn't mention Shem Weber, doesn't mention says he's going from Be'er Shava where his parents were, and he goes to Choram. So the message of Vayetze Yaakov Be'er Shava is he left his parents home. Now did he were the 14 years before Vayetze or after Vayetze? The message is he left here and went there. And the, the drash that Rashi is giving us, that Vayetzi teaches, that when you leave, you cause that diminishing of light, is referring to leaving his parents home. So this shot would be, leaving his parents brought a tremendous chisaron, but a, a lacking by his parents. Right, although your point is well taken. Why should apply more of a global, in other words, why are we just dealing with the loss of light to the parents and not... There's a whole city there, right? There's right. a bunch so of people. There. The, the city, Rishim, I think Rishim is a huge Rishim to everybody there. Not just... Right. So we're not saying it's only the parents, but we're saying it's also the parents. Okay. You know, Yaakov is a tzaddik, he's listening. Yeah. But it's not as if it's like a rift, everything is good. Not, not everything yeah. is good at there either, because they're losing their talent. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Let's, go, let's try to cover one more. Number four. Number four is a very interesting one. And number four, I'll tell you something very beautiful. I heard number four from the Rebbe when he said it. I was a child. I was... Um, you remember? Yes. It was 1987. 
87. It was my first year learning in Crown Heights. I was 13 years old, and I was by the Rebbe Shabrang in Parshas Vayetze, 1987. So how many years ago is that? A long time. A bunch of years ago. What is it? 36 years. Right? No, 36. 36. 36 years. Right, 36 years ago. And I remember because the Rebbe was very animated when he said this shot. He was, it was very interesting. But I don't want to go all the details. We don't have time for the details. But he said this shot then. And he said the following. He says, you got to look closely at Rashi. Rashi uses three expressions. He says, Hod, Ziv, and Hodor. Right? He says, when the Sadik is there, he's the Hod, he's the Ziv, he's the Hodor. And he said, what do those mean? Rashi doesn't just throw words around. What, what does he say? What do those words mean? What's the difference between splendor and shine and beauty? What, what does that mean? Beards. And what's interesting is, the Medrash didn't say all those three. Rashi added one. If you look closely, you have it all in front of you. The Medrash talked about Ziv and Hodr. Rashi added Hod. And I said the Rebbe was very animated because he started asking people. He said, I'm asking, can anyone tell me here what is Hod, what is Ziv, and what is Hodr? He says, I'm asking the teachers, the children, I'm asking the older people, the younger people, can I, what's Hod, what's Ziv, what's Hodr, why is Rashi using all these words? And how does he expect us to understand them? Like, based on what are we supposed to know what it means? So, so basically what the Rebbe did then is he went through the Torah and said, okay, let's find in the Torah where is Hod mentioned, where is Ziv, and where is Hodr? So, Hadar is a, is a pasuk, v'hadarta penezakin, that you should show honor, respect, to, a, to an elder. So the word Hadar in the Torah is connected with honor and respect. Right? That's the halachic implication of Hadar. Ziv means a shine, like the shine of the sun, light that comes, Ziv Hashemesh, that's the common re- refrain, the shine that comes forth from the sun. Where does Hod come from in the Torah? Where do we have Hod? It says that Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem gave him a special hod, and he gave that hod to Yoshua. Right? The Pasuk says, V'nasata mehodcha alav, Moshe is told to give from your hod, from your splendor to Yoshua. That splendor that came forth from Moshe, what did it um, affect people? And Parshas Kisi says, as when Moshe comes down from the mountain, people were afraid to look at him. He, he had a shine and people were afraid, so, so afraid that they wouldn't come close to him. And Moshe had to call them closer to him. Then Moshe put a, um, a uh, mask over his face. So that the concept of, of Hod is uh, awe, something that's awe-inspiring. It inspires people. It, it, it's, it inspires awe of people. So if Rashi uses all of these expressions, said the Rebbe then, he's talking about three types of effect that a tzaddik has on the city. Right? So the, the Hadar is a respect. There's a certain, the Tzaddik is in the city, there's a certain respect yeah, there. The Ziv is a certain shine, a certain Kedusha, a certain holiness. But Hod is that he actually inspires, he affects people. Because people are affected, people are inspired, people are awe, in awe of the Tzaddik. He affects the people What's of the, the city. What's the shine? What's that? Shine is Kedusha. There's Kedusha shining in the city. There's holiness uh, in the city. But the, what's specific about Hod is that it affects people. Like the people of Moshe Rabbeinu who were affected, they were afraid from Moshe Rabbeinu. Notice which one did Rashi add that the Medrash didn't? Hod. That effect that he has on people. And here the Rebbe said like this, who had effect on the people of the city when Yitzchak, Rivka, and Yaakov lived there? Yitzchak was blind. He was in the house. So he was a tzaddik. There was holiness there, but he didn't have an effect on people. He never left the home. He was a blind man. Rivka was with Yitzchak, well, for many years. 
Yitzchok is blind already when he gave the brachas, he was already blind. We're talking about 37 years at least that he was blind. So Yitzchak is at home. Rivka is attending Yitzchak. She's Yitzchak's wife, she's with Yitzchak. So who's the one who actually had an effect on the city? That's Yaakov. So when you think about the aspect, specifically of the Hod aspect, that you're able to affect the people, it really was only Yaakov. Yitzchak and Rivka were at home, they were tzaddikim, their, their, their merit was good for the city, but their effect on people, their effect on the city, that was taka only Yaakov Avinu. And that's why the Rebbe suggested then that Rashi adds Hod and he doesn't have the Medrash's question anymore. The Medrash is talking about the schus of a tzaddik in the city, the merit of a tzaddik in the city. Yeah, Yitzchak was a great merit, so was Rivka. So the Medrash says, it's not just Yaakov. But Rashi adds hod, the effect on the people, the effect on the city, that was Dafka Yaakov more so than Yitzchak and Rivka. And that's why Yaakov, that's why Rashi is not bothered with the question, because it was Yaakov who was out there who was able to have an effect on the people in a way that Yitzchak and Rivka couldn't at that point in their lives. And that was an idea that I mentioned then. We have two minutes. I want to hop around and say one last idea. So Yaakov leaves. Yaakov leaves, he comes to the Temple Mount, and he goes to sleep, and he has the famous, probably the most famous dream in the Torah, and he sees the ladder, right? You have the ladder standing on the ground, its, it's uh, head is in the heavens. What does that ladder represent? So the Zohar, from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai, famously says, the ladder is the ultimate expression of tefillah. The, the Zohar says, davening is a ladder. Because what is a ladder? A ladder is something that we start at the bottom and we work our way up, higher and higher. A, a, the, our, our sitter is really a ladder. We start off on the ground, we're very physical, we're very regular, mundane people, and tefillah is a gift of the ability for a person, especially if we dive in properly and we get involved in it, to pick ourselves up and bring ourselves a little closer, heavenward, more spiritual. And as Yaakov was leaving Israel, he's told, Remember, you're going to need this tefillah. Take with you the power of tefillah, the power of prayer, which is the ladder going upward. However, the word sulam, which is ladder, is also the gematria of the word sinai. Har sinai. The word sinai and sulam is exactly the same gematria. Sinai is Torah. That's where Torah was given. So the ladder is tefillah, but the ladder is also Torah. Why is the ladder both, Torah and tefillah? What's the difference between Torah and Tefillah? Tefillah, we're talking to Hashem. We're going upward. Torah is Hashem talking to us. It's both a ladder. There's the way up and there's the way down. Tefillah is the way up a ladder. We try to become a little more spiritual and connected. Torah is Hashem coming down the ladder to us and saying, here is my words, here is my concept, here is my teachings that I'm giving to you. As Yaakov is going off into Choram, he sees that ladder, the double message of Torah and Tefillah, our ability to pick ourselves up and come closer to Hashem, and Hashem's giving himself down to us, which is the words of Torah. Interestingly, both of these are also... Um, are also hinted, alluded to in that famous word in last week's parsha, where Yitzchak said about Yaakov, Hakol Kol Yaakov. It's the voice, the voice of Yaakov. Two voices, the voice of Torah, the voice of Tefillah. In fact, one kol in the Torah is written with a vav and one without a vav, because the vav represents coming downward. And that's, like the line, like line. that's the Torah, the Torah that starts and comes downward. So there's the call of tefillah, the voice of tefillah where we talk to Hashem and pick ourselves up to come closer to Hashem. And there's Hashem's response, which is the Torah that Hashem gives us down to us. All of that was 
was indicated or alluded to in that letter that Yaakov was meant to take with him as he goes to Choron. We go into the difficulties of this world always to use that letter of Torah and Tefillah connecting us to Hashem, both from up, us going upward to Hashem and Hashem giving himself down with us. <laughs>